episode 363, Spider-Man No Way Home. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. But this is not just any episode. This is an episode about a movie that it doesn't just rewrite the multiverse. It rewrites our spoiler policy, <laughs> but we'll get into that. Uh, I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I'm here with uh, my fellow agents. If you'd like to introduce yourselves, please go for it. Ladies first. Hi, I'm Agent Samantha, and I'm a huge fan. Girl, and I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Agent Samantha. I'm Agent Stu. No, uh, yeah. This movie, guys, guys, guys. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can we just start talking about it now? Without. Ben let's has, to, do do, has to talk about the spoiler policy, so let's do that let's first. Let's do the quick, like, do you like it or not? Yeah, let's do that. We're, we won't play the spoiler organ, but we will do a quick spoiler-free yes or no. Did you like it? Yes. Okay. I loved Move it. Move on. Samantha. I loved it. Okay. So Stuart said yes, liked it. Samantha up the ante, went to love. Uh, I'm going to triple dog dare, uh, triple dog love this story, this movie. Ooh. I realize it's breaking protocol. <laughs> appropriate okay and i also liked it i did i did i did i gave it 4.5 stars on letterboxd and it cracked the top five movies on my ranking of mcu movies it did yes. not unseat shang chi Mm. What what are your top five, Ben? Well, let me see if I can pull that up. There it is. I know what is Shang Chi. Um, Shang Chi is number one. Winter Soldier is and... number two, I bet. Because I remember Shang Chi dethroned Winter Soldier. Yeah. So my current ranking is Shang Chi one, Winter Soldier two, Black Panther three, No Way Home four, Doctor Strange five. Infinity War 6, mm. Civil War 7, Endgame 8. And after that, I had to make some adjustments because of spoilerish reasons. Hmm. I, yeah. Yeah, which we'll talk about momentarily. But uh, we, we need to talk about our spoiler policy because normally we say we are not going to talk about anything unless we've talked about it on the podcast. And there are some things yeah. in this movie yeah. that we have not talked about on the podcast, but I think we're going to need to talk about in this episode. So please be aware. And we are now moving into spoiler territory right now. Spoiler territory right now. It, it's just happening. It's happening. And it's happening right now. It has to happen right now. So if you've not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, spoilers. here is my spoiler-free sentence. Go see it or try to see it soon. Because you don't want it to get spoiled, 
But if you are a fan of the MCU, you need to see this movie. If you're a fan of the character Spider-Man, you need to see this movie because it's a good one. If you are not a fan of Tom Holland because he has too much Tark Stark technology, I, I, this is Tom Holland's movie. You know, I mean, th- that's just that's just the way it is. But go see the movie. Just go see the movie, man. Go see the movie. Is would you? You're a big Spider-Man fan, right? Big ish, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not reading all the comics, but okay. You know, I'm aware of what's going on in comics, and I've uh, always liked the character since I was a little, little lad, little Benji Avery. So, would you say this Spider-Man. is a good Spider-Man story? Well, that is something we will get into. Okay. See, yeah. that's called a tease. Listeners. It is. It is. Ultimately, I'd say yes. Okay. Ultimately, I will say yes. And so, if you were a fan of Spider-Man, you should go watch this. Yeah. So. That all said, we're not playing the spoiler organ because we don't have time on this podcast to to stop and and play any spoiler organ. We have to just jump into this thing. Because so are you not going to include my initial reaction call? Oh, man, I forgot about that. Uh, well, yeah. no, that's up to you. I still <laughs> You're the like editor. to include that because... <laughs> because Was it spoiler free? It, it, no. <laughs> so, so, oh, so, okay, so I don't a, know. Like the, well, we cover things that you wanted to cover from the. I didn't listen to the call. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I can describe what what my feelings were during that call and during the movie, but it's full of spoilers, so I cannot share that until we are in the safe zone for spoilers. Okay. Yeah. Well, we we have to be in the safe zone now, and we just have to just jump into this. Okay. Thing. Jumping in. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to jump into this thing because here's what happened in the course of just a month and a half. The MCU expanded to include seven movies and one that night. weren't there before <laughs> because of what happened with Venom. Mm-hmm. Let there be carnage. Mm-hmm. Suddenly Venom and Venom 2 had to be included in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we also have five other Spider-Man movies that are get included. Now, way back when, back in the day, I said, wouldn't it be so cool if Spider-Man shows up in the MCU and it's Tobey Maguire and he's older now and he's passing on the torch to Miles Morales. And so we find out basically Spider-Man mm-hmm. has already been in the universe already. And those three movies existed in the MCU. That's something I said ages ago. Maybe even when Daniel Butcher was still around. I, I don't know. I, I don't remember how long ago it was other than I remember sitting in a, a house that wasn't this house. And it was a long time ago. They didn't do that, obviously, because they brought in Tom Holland to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, and and it worked out great. He's he's a great Peter Parker and a good Spider-Man. I, I like him. He's good. He's good. But they've done that and then mm-hmm. some with this movie. To where now my rankings go from from seven Captain America Civil War to eight Avengers Endgame to nine is Spider Man two, mm-hmm. and Captain America is number ten, Age of Ultron eleven, Guardians of the Galaxy twelve, Spider Man number thirteen, Spider Man Homecoming number fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> so Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man, Avengers, Amazing Spider-Man, the first one is number 18 in my list. 
of 35 or 34 rather uh guardians of the galaxy 2 eternals iron man 3 ragnarok far from home is number 23 amazing spider-man 2 is number 24 and then black widow captain marvel thor spider-man 3 venom venom let there be carnage so all three of the venom movies are right there together <laughs> And Iron Man, Dark World, Iron Man 2, and Wait, Incredible Hulk. Three Venom movies? Just two? Well, Spider-Man 3 has Venom in it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, okay, um, so, Stuart, I actually have a question for you. Uh-huh. Have you gotten around to seeing the Amazing Spider-Man movies? No, because I was going to watch them right before. I've actually never seen them. And... I was talking to a friend of mine way back when, when they first came out in the theater, I was like, no, they're not MCU. I'm not going to watch them. I remember having that conversation. That was how long ago? Yeah. Very long time ago. And so then I just never watched them because I'm an adult and I have a job and I have kids and it's, you know, we do a podcast and I focus my time in on the MCU. And now I have to go back and watch those movies. Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man 2 with 2014. Yeah. With Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was the first this was the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man that I've ever seen. So and you had brought it up with us to say, should I see it or not? And I was like, you know, it'd be interesting to see if you can follow along without mm-hmm. seeing Amazing Spider-Man or Amazing Spider-Man 2. I mean so short answer, yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely, because they told a well-told story, right? And I didn't need to see. I don't. I didn't need to see all the in jokes between um, uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider Man and Jamie Foxx's Electro or whatever, right? I will say, the lizard guy. I don't know who that is. Uh, he's the lizard. It's Dr. Connors. Yeah. That's literally his his name yeah. is just the lizard. Yeah. <laughs> so like there wasn't a whole lot of exposition to their story. I just feel like they had the lizard to have a lizard. But I will say, across all of those villains, the the six or the five sinisters, or however many there were, I do feel like it provided an opportunity to foreclosure. And so I was under, I understood that even though the lizard, I didn't know the backstory of the lizard, Dr. Connors, he was providing some sort of closure to that, or the the movie was providing some sort of closure to the, to that storyline. And I really did appreciate, cause I'd seen, you know, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, um, one, two, and three in the theater. And Doc Ock, I thought, was amazing. I never went so far as to be like, yeah, let's be have Doc Ock back in, the sh- back in the movie. But I do remember that movie and it being an interesting conundrum for Peter Parker to have Doc Ock die because they, you know, he was this kind of father figure to him. Um, and so to have him heal Doc Ock and then get redeemed. I thought that was really cool. Um, I've never seen that in a movie, especially a movie that jumps franchises, quote unquote, uh, and studios in in canon. Um, I've never seen that in a movie before. So 
that was one of the best things for this movie for me. There is so many things that could get talked about with this movie. And and one of them is just following the character arcs of the Spider-Man and, and to sit down and watch the Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man and then sit down and watch the, you know, this, how does that wrap up well here or does it wrap up well here? And to watch the Tobey Maguire and see, does it wrap up well here? And, you know, honestly, the, the short conversation is, yeah, kind of, <laughs> it well, does. I mean, it gives, doesn't give them a lot of time and it doesn't like solve any of the mystery box stuff that they were trying to set up in Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's see for me, the fact that they never did Amazing Spider-Man 3 makes it hard to revisit Amazing Spider-Man, the, those two movies, because there's mystery box things going on and there's, you know, they were setting up a trilogy well, and I, after this movie, I actually have a lot of questions about what happened to the other Peters. Like, because, what do you mean the other Peters? Because like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? Yeah, because the spell was everyone who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man forgets. Does that extend to their universes as well? Because that means that Doc Ock and Mary Jane and... Um, I, I would say I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. No, I think it was just this universe to stop them from coming into this MCU. I hope so. Right. Because that and would if, make things very messy for Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's um, See, leaders. I had never even thought about that question, which yeah. is a good question. Like, how does that affect them? My question was, you have these people coming and they're pulled basically from not just another dimension, but from other times as well. Like, they're pulled from the moment where they were about to die. Yeah. And so when they get returned, how does that affect history in that other universe? When Doc Ock gets returned and he's been healed, is he going to just get returned back to that same spot and die anyway? I hope or, not. Yeah. Or is it going to change history for him? Or is this going to be a new universe that gets created a la Star Trek 2009? I I was going to bring up 2009 Star Trek. I think that's a great analog for what this movie is. Yeah, I was I was wondering, okay, I mean, do are they because I went back and I watched Spider-Man 2, which is the one copy of a Spider-Man movie that I physically own. And there is a moment where they could say that yeah, Doc Ock was better after this point and that's why he chose to sink that giant sun machine that he created because he finally had control over the limbs yeah what happened in the scene was there was that big explosion and it knocked out doc ock for a moment and that's when it started pulling in uh the metal bits of that doc so i mean there is a moment where he could have been taken out and put back in and the other characters in that scene, Peter and Mary Jane, would not have noticed. But thinking about the Green Goblin, because if you remember, he has this moment where right before he dies where he says, don't tell Harry. Um, and and that seemed to be like this this moment of regret and redemption for him just in that moment. So is did it just like happen in a snap of an eye and... They couldn't witness what exactly happened in those moments. Uh, and with Sandman, I mean, he 
he was last seen, you know, dissipating into sand and drifting off into a cloud. So I don't know. Sandman has the best, the best chance of a happy ending. Yeah, he does. All of these people when they get sent back, other than maybe uh, Venom. And that happy ending involves going to prison for again for a while. But I I feel like Sandman is normal. Yeah. And is going to be able to go back and and see his daughter again. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Um, and there's a really interesting arc or um, about just the Tobey Maguire v- villains, um, those three that were brought over, because um, the villainy of um, what is right um, be- with the Green Goblins, very black and white. It gets a little bit more gray with Doc Ock. And then you get over to Sandman, and he he does the wrong things for the right reason. And so that's a very interesting arc to look at and consider. I don't know the villains from The Amazing Spider-Man too well, because I've only seen them each once or twice. It is going to be very interesting. I don't know if we're going to do this or not, but it's going to be very interesting to go back and revisit on the show as if it were a brand new movie. All of those other movies that you just listed. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to do it or not. But I may end up watching the other, you know, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I at least like to try. And I don't know if it's the kind of thing. I mean, we haven't even finished Hawkeye is the thing. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Netflix. I'm yeah. sorry. I sneezed there for a second. <laughs> well, and, and that brings up a whole other thing. I mean, this this week, you want to talk about it's all connected, right? Oh, yeah. This week. And I. OK, so I wondered. Are they looking at changing the schedule? What did they do? What they did with Hawkeye? Two episodes to start with. Was it so that this week we have the final episode of Hawkeye, and then next week we have Book of Boba Fett starting up? And then you look at the timing of things, and we haven't talked about this episode yet. So we haven't talked about Hawkeye episode five on the podcast yet. So again, this is kind of stretching that spoiler policy, but. Someone showed up in that episode mm-hmm. that says things are more connected the way you thought they were than you th- actually thought they were. You know, we used to think it was all connected. And then they're talking about, well, it's not all connected. And we're saying, well, it's still all connected until you tell us it's not all connected. And this is all MCU until you tell us different. Now, for most things that are MCU, that has any kind of question about it. Really the only one, in my opinion, that you have to do some mental gymnastics to make it work. And it does work better now that they've already said the multiverse exists, and that's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that mm-hmm. is that there's a splinter point in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they veer away and it's another universe. And for me, headcanon, when they started dabbling in time travel, we had nexus points happening and and things like that or whatever. I can't remember what they call it in Loki, but things are happening where we have another universe and the final few seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are in a second and third universe (laughs) um, because they actually introduce a multiverse in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And there's two universes going on in the final seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but they splinter off and they have their own thing going on that happens instead of Infinity War and Endgame. 
the snap never happened in those universes where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ended up. Okay. Netflix, though? Oh, yeah. I mean, really, Netflix um, and and in Runaways. I mean, they they still fit in, and they haven't done anything with Inhumans to say, no, we're, we're retconning that that show you watched that maybe people didn't like doesn't count anymore. They, they haven't done anything with that yet. And they haven't done anything to say, and this is where the movie comes in, that Daredevil, Netflix Daredevil still exists in the MCU until they tell us differently. And the way they tell us differently is by retconning and redoing what they've already done with Daredevil. So if Matt Murdock has a different origin story than the Netflix origin story and they put it on the screen, that's when it becomes, okay, I guess all the Netflix stuff is not canon or is not part of prime MCU timeline, but is a multiverse over over on the left side over here, whatever. But Matt Murdock, who shows up in this movie as of right now, is, I'm firmly convinced, still the same Matt Murdock. I agree. Me too. Okay, so I want to talk about my reaction to the show because it was actually surprisingly very vocal and physical in the theater. I <laughs> I had I have a story to tell about this too. So I, keep I, going. I clearly had an adrenaline rush by the end of this film because I came out of that theater shaking. I was so happy. Um so I screamed several times. That was when Matt Murdock and the two other Peters came on screen. I cried three or four times. I, well, of course I laughed because, you know, the MCU is generally very funny. I, Especially in Spider-Man. Yeah. Especially with Spider-Man. Is, yeah. is this where we should drop your phone call? Yes. So let's go ahead you, and drop you my phone in? call in right here. Okay. Hey, future Ben. Hey, future Stuart. Hey, future Samantha. Oh, I just, I just got home from seeing... No way home. Uh, I, ironically, <laughs> I'm sitting in my driveway. I am shaking from excitement. That was amazing. Okay, pardon the time, but that was amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I never thought I would see Tim McGuire again as Spider-Man. Oh, my gosh. He was such, I had such a huge crush on him when I was 16. And he came back. He was in a suit. And he was flying. And there were jokes about his back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, that was just, I mean, overall, that was phenomenal. Just everything. I am so excited to see what happens from here on out. Uh-huh. I just, <laughs> okay, okay, I gotta go in. I gotta go in and see my husband. Okay, <laughs> okay, all right, bye. <laughs> Five days later, I still feel no shame about the way I reacted to that movie. <laughs> No shame. It's And you've seen it a couple of times, right? Yes, I saw it Thursday night for the preview night, or actually preview afternoon. I uh, got the first standard show in, and then I went back on Saturday to see it again so I could look at it and check on a couple things that I missed. You saw it twice before I was able to see it once. Well, one, I don't have kids. Two, I don't have a lot going on. And three, I got that three-month unlimited pass at my movie theater. Of course I'm going to go back and see it again. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Yeah. <laughs> so 
Yeah. It, so for me, it, <laughs> okay, a long time ago, I told my wife, if it's MCU, I got to see it in the theater. If it's MCU, I got to see it in the theater. And that's gotten me into trouble a couple of times. But this, you know, nothing major. It's just a movie. So now the compromise is she comes with me to see it in the theater. We make it, we make it, as long as it's opening weekend, we see it in the theater. Because, you know, we have to record a show. And so, you know, we make the time, we make the, we set the time apart. I realized about, well, when I was walking out of the theater on this one, part of what, and I might be speaking for her, but part of what is enjoyable is watching me react to all the stuff on the screen. And so, like, I would move forward to get closer to the screen and watch it, right? <laughs> and I did that a whole lot in this movie. <laughs> there's there's uh, Rogers the Musical billboards there's Matt Murdock, obviously. There's with when when the Statue of Liberty had the shield. There's so many things in this movie where you're just like, yeah, that's awesome, and then gets you excited for it. I mean, this was fan service at its best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and I'm all for it. The Statue of Liberty thing is another. It's all connected, uh, and this one I'll, I will go ahead and mention, even though it's we haven't talked about it, it's Hawkeye episode five yet. In Hawkeye episode, I think it was five, might have been four, they mentioned something about cleanup from the Statue of Liberty incident is already done. Oh. <gasps> Did they real? Yeah. Yes. They said something like that. I was like, what are they talking about? And and then, yeah, there's the whole battle here at the Statue of Liberty. Oh, wait. And you know that they rearranged the release dates of the Hawkeye episodes, too. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I'm doing it again. So, okay. <laughs> ben, what is the greatest cinematic thing ever? It is when you watched your episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then you went and watched your movie in the theater. And then episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. changed. Can I hope that happens again. Okay, so <laughs> I this is close. So to me, this week, it's almost better than the week of Wong. Right. So the week of Wong, we had a trailer with Spider-Man that had Wong in it. We had a what if episode, if I remember correctly, that had Wong in it. And then we had Shang-Chi that had Wong in it. Right. And that was kind of cool. And then we also have the greatest cinematic universe moment, in, in my opinion, where you have, you know, more than just, you know, people on, on one Star Trek episode referencing that a movie happened. Uh, it was actually like, there was stuff happening that was that mattered between Agents of Shield and the movie. Now, granted, yes. you could see the movie and not care, right? But but if you saw Agents of Shield, if you, you were, were following, yeah, it was wonderful. It was a great moment. This is kind of like that. I was like on that. the edge of my seat that whole time in that theater. Yeah, <laughs> and this is kind of like that because you have like this these slight references of things that are happening in New York. I don't think. Because at one point when they were in the mirror dimension, they go through a building that's playing Christmas music mm-hmm. when they're fighting. I don't think this is Hawkeye's Christmas week in No Way Home. I don't know. This is where like, I'd really love to see where is this falling in the timeline. But this feels like it is – I mean it's moments after, um, after uh, not Homecoming. What was the other one? Oh, Far From Home. Far From Home. Far From Home. This is happening moments after Far From Home or 
very soon after that. This is, well, no, it's senior year though. Yeah. So um, one reason why I went back to see it again was to look at the timeline because they mentioned Fury hasn't been on Earth for a year. And so I was confused. I was like, okay, so what was the time span between when they started their school year? And that was a summer trip to Europe, right? Nowhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. Far from home. Far from home. Was that between junior and senior year? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and then because we're just the end stepping of, right I mean, into senior year here. Okay. Because and the last shot of Far From Home is the first shot of this movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that means that Fury left Earth either right before Far From Home takes place, or four months before, or somewhere in between. So we have this very vague period of time right now because I still don't understand. But then again. Yeah, they start school and then it's it's Christmas time. So I think they may be accounting for the fact that Fury just left Earth right around the time that Or no, now I'm confused. So here is <laughs> Cuz Far From okay. Home takes place 8 months after Endgame, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah, or I think it Okay, it may not be 8, but it's similar to 8. Like I, it's I want to go back and rewatch it, but the thing is... They were they had just gotten back from the blip. Yeah. But the thing is, too, that I I had a subscription to the Stars app, and I shared that subscription with you guys. And for a little while, you could get most of the Spider-Man movies uh, with uh, t- uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield when I shared that with you guys. And for a while, they also kept... Um, all of the Tom Holland or the two Tom Holland movies on there too. But then about a month ago, I realized all of those movies were removed and you could only get them by paying for like three ninety nine for each movie through streaming. So yeah, I was okay, a little so- frustrated with that because I wanted you guys to see it too. And I know you guys haven't had the chance to even look at them. So here's the other, it's all connected. Now we've talked about this. I still don't know how I feel about it and I haven't seen, and this is my personality type, you know, I, I just haven't seen anyone confirm it. People have talked about it, but I haven't seen it confirmed. And that is the thunder in Loki mm. mm-hmm. and in WandaVision. And there is a sound of thunder when things start happening and the things start breaking down around the Statue of Liberty, it's there when like the the cracks the cracks start appearing in in the sky. That a similar is similar effect to what we were seeing in Loki. Mm. Oh, and, and that's when um Toby Maguire's Peter said, Am I dying or am I actually seeing that? I love that. And and that's where we see like uh, silhouettes. Now I didn't have time to like look at and, and see all the silhouettes. I'm just trying to take it all in. I've only seen the movie one time and it's been not quite a week, but it's been a while. And, but there was definitely, I absolutely saw Rhino in the sky. I saw Craven the Hunter in the sky. Um, I don't know who else was in there, but these were other villains from other universes coming toward them, breaking down the barrier between the multiverse because of the spell or whatever. And and that's where the spell was for this universe only. 
because it made those people forget who he was. But well, maybe it wasn't for this universe only. I don't know, Samantha. You might have been onto something with that idea. Yeah. Of the spell being for other universes. But the whole thing is is that thunder crack the same effect? Is it intentional? I hope so. And it it would make sense for it to be some sort of thunder crack or some sound like that. So Well, I mean, that's what they were saying for Loki and WandaVision. Mm -hmm. And did these three events all happen at the same time? Oh, that'd be so cool. Oh, so here's what I... Um, one more thing here, if we're going to talk about this cracks. Um, I also noticed we didn't see Mary Jane Watson from the Tobey Maguire movies. Um, and we did And in Spider-Man 2, there was a whole subway car full of people that saw him without his mask, if you recall. And in The Amazing Spider-Man, Stuart, I'm going to spoil this for you. Um, he rescues a kid. The movie's 15 years old. It's fine. Okay. He rescues a kid. You could probably look this up on YouTube. And, uh, and this kid's really scared to get out of this car, which is dang- dangling off a bridge. And so he takes off his mask and say, hey, I'm a regular guy. If you want to be brave, put on my mask. And so that kid now knows at least his face. I don't know if Well, he knows name. the face, but doesn't necessarily know like the terms of the spell that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. That's true. Um, like That's the terms of the spell. But Mary Jane Watson knows. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. I. She might have been a silhouette in the sky. That's the thing. Like, we need the people who scour through the 4K still images yeah. of each frame uh, to do their uh, videos to say, here's 10 things that you definitely missed in the movie. And you're like, yeah, I didn't miss nine of those, but there's that one. My fan theory is that she came through with Tobey Maguire and she was hidden away somewhere to be safe because she's done this enough. She's been kidnapped enough to know that she needs to be safe. Also, Tobey Maguire Peter was definitely middle-aged Peter, clearly. And if if they've been together in the past 14 years, there's a good chance that they have kids. So there's a chance that their kids came through too and she may have had to hide away with the kids to protect them no they found him they found him walking home from wherever he was walking same with the andrew garfield they didn't no they came through to 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 tom holland's universe those two came through to tom holland's universe at the same time as the villains yeah and they were wandering around the city because when andrew garfield comes in he says something about i know this is not this is not right. I know I'm not in the right place, or or something. To so that when when Ned uses the 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 sling ring to grab him, he's grabbing him from the same universe, our, from yeah. Prime MCU. Yes, right. From Prime MCU universe, yeah. not from their universe. Yeah, they were both, oh, okay. Yeah, they were both confused about it as they were kind of stepping through. They're confused about being there, but they both know there is a Peter Parker who does not look like them because of all the news coverage. Yes. So they know they don't know each other, but they know Tom Holland and that he exists and he's there. Oh, I have another question for you guys about that moment. When did you realize that they had that everybody involved with this film were lying liars who lied <laughs> and that um, about four months ago? Yeah, I mean, here's. Okay, so I'm I've very been staying away from spoilers pretty hard. I'm very MJ though. I say 
expect to be disappointed and you won't be disappointed. And this is what we've been saying is like going into this movie, just be ready to, I'm saying be ready to take the movie on its own terms. Yeah. And if it's not giving you the movie you want, be ready and and be open. And, and some people are able to do that. And some people aren't like, I have a buddy who I'm going to be recording a podcast with tomorrow about this movie who the ending destroyed the movie for him because it is not the ending that he believed it should have as far as like the very ending of this movie. It's called No Way Home. Well, but here's the, yeah, exactly. For me, this is a very Spider-Man movie Yeah, because of the ending, you know, but I, when I watch a movie and I, I go back to, uh, you know, I watch terrible B movies that sometimes I'm able to just watch and try and see what's the movie that they thought they were making, you know, and, yeah. uh, dragon war is one that I kind of realized, Oh, this is why I like garbage movies. I was watching dragon war. And I'm just like seeing them. Their reach is nowhere. It's way beyond their grasp, you know, and, but you can see the movie that they were trying to make. And, and I don't know if that movie uh, shifted how I watch things or if that movie was just when I realized this is how I tend to watch things, but I want to watch the movie that the creators want to create. And that's why I'm really not a fan of fans determining where a movie goes or where a TV show goes, because I want to go on a ride that the creators want to take me on. I don't necessarily want them to do the things I expect them to do because I like to be surprised. And I, and so with this, I was just sitting back and thinking, okay, there's talking there. There's spoilers. I've seen the spoilers, but it's still a possibility that they're not going to do that. And let's take what's going to come our way. You know, I was not disappointed and I wouldn't have been if Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire hadn't been in this movie either because I was ready and I wasn't hyped up for it. Yeah. That I've... said, all the hype that people were saying, I'm hyped up about this hype and th- it, it met their expectations too, I think. Yeah, I kept my expectations very low and I was like, okay, they won't show up for this movie because – well, Toby Maguire, he has his own stuff going on. He's actually mostly producing now instead of acting, though I did check and he now has a couple um, upcoming projects as an actor. Um, Andrew Garfield's been very busy. And in the past, what, three, four months, this is his third movie that he's, that he's been in uh, that's been released to theaters. Um, part of that is because of the pandemic, but he's a very in-demand actor and he kept for the press tours for those two, mo- the previous two movies. He kept saying, "No, I'm not in Spider-Man: No Way Home. No, I'm not in Spider-Man: No Way Home." And and I just took him for his word because I, well, actually, I really didn't watch him that closely, but I, I wanted to be surprised if it was going to happen, and I was <laughs> clearly. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. And when when you saw Spider-Man through the thing ring hole, Mm -hmm. I just leaned over to my son, Tim, and I said, that's Andrew Garfield. (laughs) Yeah, I, 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 I realized it the moment that the sling ring portal opened and you saw a Spider-Man who was taller, lankier, and the eyepieces Mm -hmm. were much larger in the, in the way of Andrew Garfield. And I was like, they did not. And then he comes through and he, 
and he's like, wait, 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 wait. And then he takes off his, his um, headpiece, and I, that's when I screamed. <laughs> so what was interesting to me about all that was I, I didn't I didn't buy into any of the uh, hype at all. Like, I knew I was going to see the movie. That's not a problem. It's an MCU movie. I have the contract. We're good to go. So it's going to happen, right? <laughs> a um, social contract, but a contract nonetheless. It, hey, legally binding in some territories. Uh, but so it was going to happen, right? I, w- I didn't need to get hyped up for it. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't I didn't watch any trailers. I think I saw the first trailer and I was like, okay, yeah, Stephen Strange is in it. I don't think that's him though, and it turns out it was. So you know, good on you. Uh, the 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 muckluck boots and the the sweater kind of threw me for a loop. But hey, whatever. <laughs> Plus, I'm not a big huge Spider Man fan. I enjoy his movies. And I enjoy reading stories about him. But at the end of the day, he's kind of just a kid who whines a lot. Right? Some some iterations of him. And okay, I don't need Mr. to see Boyles, that. Step back a moment. <laughs> he's a kid. He is a kid. Okay, so part of the reason why I like Spider-Man has everything to do with Tobey Maguire. And it has everything to do with the fact that when the first when his first Spider-Man ca- movie came out I in that movie he was 18 years old and he just graduated high school that same month I was 18 years old and I graduated from high school and so and I'm very nerdy I'm I was never the most popular kid in school I related a lot to the character plus I had a huge crush on Tobey Maguire and I'm not discounting any of that. Yeah, and I'm saying if you put if you put Peter Parker up against Tony Stark or Captain Rogers or uh, you know uh, Bucky Barnes, he's a kid, right? Yeah, he's a kid who can hold his own. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but he's a kid, and yeah. so I didn't. Unless you're but, Toby Maguire in this movie, then you're clearly middle-aged and experienced and have right. mentored somebody because he 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 comforts and he he builds up Andrew Garfield's Peter. Well, what I was going to say was, what's interesting about that is that, if you let me finish, oh, he's a kid in most everything we've seen him in. Until this, where you get to see three different phases of him, and you get to see the Tobey Maguire is a little bit more mature, yeah. and the Andrew Garfield who's a little bit more um, self confident, maybe is a good, maybe I don't know, grown up, uh, and grown up, yeah. and then you get to see Tom Holland actually grow up, and and you know, pour one out for for Aunt May that. That scene, I think, propels him from being a child to being an adult, to being someone who's trying to have it be both ways, which is a very common Peter Parker thing. Yeah. To to someone who's like, I cannot live in both worlds. I have to live. If, if this is what I'm called to do, this is the world I have to live in. Yeah. And and fully accepting that. So I thought this was a very good way to tell all that story. And I liked having Tobin Maguire be a little bit older. It would have been real dumb 
for him to come in and be all Princess Leia from uh, Rogue One. We don't need that. Well, they did that or, a little bit with Doc Ock and um, and uh, uh, Norman Osborn. They did that a I little bit. I think they bit. had to. Yeah. yeah. I think they had to. But that was because of the timeline. Yeah. They were pulled out from a movie that happened, you know, 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we have this actually confirmed in a short um, interview that I sent you guys a couple weeks ago that I saw that has zero spoilers in it. And, um, but they still talked about the process of making costumes now versus then. And anyways, but they did mention that some CGI was used to de-age them 20 years. So, Stuart, I want to go back to your just a kid thing. And what's interesting about that is for the majority of Peter Parker's comic book history, he has not been a kid now. Uh, he got married in the 80s. And he and this is where so much of what people try and grasp onto when they're doing the Spider-Man story is that high school period of time because so many great stories came out of that high school period of time. You have the death of Gwen Stacy. You have him meeting MJ for the first time ever. And you have him, you know, beginning that relationship and you have these classic storylines going on there. But then you also have him getting married. I can't remember if it was 80, 85, 86, 87 in there. Um, let's see. I guess the black costume would have been, Around 1986, because I think that's when Secret Wars was, and I he can't was remember if he was married, married in when Civil that happened. War. Huh? He was married in Civil War. Well, what I'm saying is he got married in the 80s, though, and stayed right. married for so long that the point where we hit this storyline called One... Or, um, oh, I got it wrong. One More Day? Is that the storyline? Brand New Day. It's the storyline where... To save Aunt May, Peter Parker makes a deal with Mephisto, the devil, to make everyone forget that he – because he got outed by Tony Stark. Well, everyone forgets that he was Peter Parker. He's giving up his life. It's It wasn't a spell to make everyone forget, but that was a consequence of what was going on with that. And he gives up his – the life that he had basically with MJ to let aunt may live a little bit longer. Mm. <laughs> and is it stupid? Yes. But the whole point was this was a corporate thing where they were trying to figure out how do we get Peter Parker back to those stories where he was the, the lovable loser, where he was the, the sad sack, where he was the guy who's just trying to get by. He doesn't have enough money to pay the bills. And so he has to work this job and that job and he wants to be a science teacher or, or whatever it might be. And they did some interesting stuff with that back when, you know, back in the 70s and 80s where he was teaching in Queens, you know, and he was he was going to college and he was, you know, he had his apartment, but it was in a rundown building, you know, but then he gets married to a supermodel <laughs> and suddenly has a literal supermodel. And, and suddenly it's like, well, he's not the lovable loser anymore. I mean, this guy is. He's got it's not just that she's a supermodel. She's a supermodel who is super supportive. Like she's a super character, too, you know, and she was a good character 
and she supported him and she loved him and he loved her. And there's a little bit of, you know, black cat gets involved and is he going to cheat? You know, there's things like that going on. And they have the venom stuff happening during that time, you know, but the majority of his history, he is married until Marvel says, let's get him single again. So he's interesting again. And we can get back to what made him really interesting. They tried it with the Clone Saga, too, to get back to where it's really interesting. That was them trying to have their cake and eat it, too, where we're like, okay, so we'll have Peter Parker, and he's still married to MJ, but we have this clone over here who is also Peter Parker, but we'll call him Ben Riley after Uncle Ben, and the clone will be the Peter Parker who's single and is able to you know, have that hard, hard knock life, you know, and, and we can have both of them, you know, and they'll be like, they'll be brothers. They'll support each other. We can have this Spider-Man and that Spider-Man. And, and, and people were like, no, we don't like that. And there's reasons, there's good reasons I, you know, for not liking it, but it wasn't a bad story. And in my, in my opinion, that was the perfect solution to having their cake, which is the Peter Parker that people have been reading for decades still existed and was still married to MJ and they weren't erasing a storyline that people have been following for decades. And they could also eat it too, which is to bring back that classic Peter Parker that when people look at classic stories, that's the guy they're thinking of. And when a cartoon is made, that's the cartoon that's made. And when, and when a movie is made, when a movie is made, that's the movie that's made. And when a comic book reboot happens, that's where the reboot is, you know? And so you have ultimate Spider-Man. They went back to that, that young Peter Parker, who's figuring things out and it lasted long enough for him to uh, outgrow. But this is what the movie here is doing as well. To me, what makes this a good Spider-Man storyline is that they are able to do the thing where he has the great power. He has the great responsibility and it means sacrifice. Doing the right thing means sacrifice and we get it here. He has to sacrifice. Now, is it good? No, it hurts. And is anyone in real life ever going to have to give up that same kind of sacrifice? No, because Dr. Strange is not healing the universe and the multiverse. And it's all based on whether or not you can give up your girlfriend or not. Okay. That's not what's <laughs> that going to happen in real life. know about. Mm. <laughs> okay. Maybe it has happened and we just don't know because the multiverse was adjusted and we didn't see it happen. I'll grant you that. But at the same time, this is what. I like about Spider-Man stories and we got away from it from the get go because Spider-Man shows up in civil war and he's in a regular suit, but he, Tony Stark is his mentor. And then in homecoming it's, he's got these, he's got the Stark support team. And in, in uh, far from home, he still has a Stark support team. And so all, you know, he has, the cool Stark uniform and he has the, you know, with, with extra legs so he can be a spider, you know, have four legs, which in the comics, for some reason, those extra legs, there was only three of them. And so I, and I never found out why I didn't read the comics that was during civil war. I don't know exactly what the deal was, but I always found it weird. Like, why are there only three? That's not a, a spider has eight legs. That's seven. But anyway, I like this. I feel like this is a Spider-Man story and it brings us back to Spider-Man roots. Where are we going from here? 
Ned, MJ, and this new guy, Peter, <laughs> that they've never met before, are going to go to MIT together. And they're going to start over and it's going to start fresh. And we're going to see that relationship bloom. And it's going to be weird and awkward because he has this whole lifetime with them that they didn't know about. And, you know, leaving the theater, my son was like, I wanted to see that. I want, and and everything he was saying is basically like, I I think you just want to see the next movie. (laughs) I think (laughs) that's what you're, that's what you're wanting to see. He wanted to see a montage where they actually did start talking to each other again. And, um, but I look at this ending, this melancholy ending after the triumphant end to the story but we have a man who or a young man stepping into manhood where he has to make the hard decision putting other people first and making the sacrifice and that's spider-man he has to give up regular life until he marries the supermodel (laughs) he's giving up regular life because he has that great power and with great power comes great responsibility and it's a sucky life, but at the same time he's helping people. And I feel like I need to step off my, my soapbox, but this is, this is it. And what's so interesting is we uh, it's in reverse, you know, usually at the beginning of the story, uncle Ben is saying with great power comes great responsibility. We get it here at the end of that arc. By the way, let me just say, I'm so glad we didn't come back to find that Ben died a billion years ago, and and he told him that when he died, just like in the first Spider-Man movie, Tobey Maguire's first Spider-Man movie. Yeah, now I'm curious I what love happened. That, well, that's just it. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I love that it wasn't. Um, it, they didn't shoehorn in this thing where May was a widow or anything like that. It was. She gets to say the line. She gets to deliver it to him because, yeah, here. Okay, where's my soapbox? Oh, it's over there. Okay. (laughs) There are strong women in your life and you get to listen to them. And May is one of them and she smacks Peter in the face with it. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. She deserved it. She's Mm -hmm. been raising him. She's been his mother. Mm -hmm. And her dying moment deserved to be something like this, where she actually is speaking into his life. And it's, it was sad. I did not cry, but I did feel the feels when, when all that was happening. Um, yeah. So still, and still Bill am- and Ted face the music has not been dethroned as the, <laughs> the cry in the theater moment for Ben. That's, that's still uh, the moment. Oh, uh, uh, uh- all right. I, I don't know that I knew that, but moving on. Well, go back um, and listen to Strangers and Aliens episode where I did the road trip to Bill and Ted. It's an interesting and fun road trip, even though I'm solo. Um, but there was feelings, heavy. And you felt them. Strong feelings that I felt, <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. I, I, <sighs> yes, there were so many great moments in this, and we could spend another four and a half hours talking about them. Yeah. I mean, that moment where they were talking about, you know, the pe- the people in their lives that affected them, that their deaths affected their stories. And oh, well, let's talk real quick about Andrew Garfield and oh, his arc, because I, his arc is defined by amazing Spider-Man two, right? That's the one yeah. where, where Gwen Stacy dies 
because uh, her dad died in the first one and, and she dies in, in that one. And after that happened, he got dark, he says. Well, we never really saw it. We never really saw the aftermath. Mm-hmm. And there was mystery box stuff that was supposed to get solved in that. When I, when I, when I say mystery box, I just mean they set up uh, things that were happening in that universe that were mysteries that we weren't going to find out about until sequels, right? Well, <laughs> so I'm glad they went okay. here instead. Um, I don't mind being spoiled on this, and I have a, I, I want to confirm a suspicion that I had because remember I didn't see any of the Amazing Spider-Man's when our MJ falls. Is that how Gwen Stacy died? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then when he, you know, flies down after her and grabs her, he is redeeming, he is able to accomplish the thing that he wasn't able to accomplish in the movie. Right. Right. Same with Toby, you know, curing Doc Ock and having that relationship when he says, um, I'm trying to be a better person. You know, that that is directly related to the conversation they have in Spider-Man 2. So, when I say it's fan service and I'm here for it, it, there's fan service and I'm here for it. It was so much of that, but done in such a great way. And it's not just fan service, though. That's the thing. This is... This is them sitting down, figuring out arcs and figuring out mm-hmm. where do we take this and figuring out how do we, how deep do we go so someone like Stewart can see the movie and understand. Andrew Garfield had great loss and had rede- redemption here and mm-hmm. and and understand because there are going to be people who are fans of Tom Holland who haven't seen the other ones. Now, my kids come into it and I made them watch those. And, and they <laughs> enjoyed them. Dad. I shouldn't say I made them. <laughs> they were asking me to to watch those during pandemic time. And we did. We watched them and it was fun and they enjoyed them. And there's, you know, little debates every once in a while about which one's better, who's the best Spider-Man. And um and and, and my opinion is Toby Maguire is a great Peter Parker and Andrew Garfield is a great Spider-Man. Um and then I, I believe Tom Holland is does the best job of doing both. Uh, I, that's 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 my opinion. But my kids will have uh, you know little debates about like which one do you like best, which one do you like best, and yeah. So let's also say that's an, that's just an opinion. Not that I disagree with you, Ben, but that's just an opinion. It's okay to disagree with it, and also that does is. not mean that that um, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield did bad jobs in those places where they we just don't see that they excelled. I mean, I well, think uh, they did great jobs as far as they could. It's and not just an opinion. I mean, it's it's just my opinion, which means it's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> right. And like, there's there's well, correct sure. opinions, and then there's there's I mean, other people's opinions. Ben is putting his opinion <laughs> on the internet, so mm. it must be correct. I, yeah, I was just trying to my... say that they did not fail in their acting that's all oh no not at all not at all no so here's the here's the whole meta thing about this right uh wasn't there supposed to be a fourth toby Maguire movie yes yes and And there was supposed to be a third amazing spider-man movie right so both both of those iterations of spider-man were done by sony because they own the rights and they're holding on to them with a firm grasp right but 
Amy Pascal, who is the Sony Kevin Feige, um, and Kevin Feige really said, we're going to put time, energy, and money into finishing out these stories, or at least adding a coda to these stories, which that I don't think gets done nearly as much as fans would like. Granted, you know, if it doesn't make money, they're not going to make a show. Or if there's a whole bunch of offside, you know, behind the scenes, um, behind the scenes drama, they're not going to make the show. Right. And I get that. But this was a rare opportunity for two major players in this comic book film genre to come together and say, let's close some of these things out. Let's, you know, change this. Let's change that. Let's come to the conclusion of this story, which bravo to them, you know. So you have Andrew Garfield coming in and getting some redemption for what he lost, you know, and what's curious to me and okay. So if you went and saw this in theaters, you saw the Morbius uh, trailer and in that Morbius trailer, there is a poster of Spider-Man in the background with like murderer spray painted over it. Yeah. And then you hear Andrew Garfield say in this movie, I, I went to a dark place and he, it sounds like he was a little more violent of a vigilante than he would have been because of the loss that he experienced. And so I'm curious when he goes back to his own universe, is he going to be less, you know, less of a, a, a violent vigilante, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering, is that poster with the murderer spray painted on the wall or whatever is that referring to a spider-man in morbius's universe who might be andrew garfield who just goes a little bit stronger when he fights the bad guys than he should i've wondered that because the dark tones that we see in venom and the dark tone that we see in the trailer for morbius it it kind of works in with the darker tones that you see in the andrew garfield movies and i also noticed that just based on the acting that Andrew did, I don't think it's been that long since Gwen died. Like, maybe two years at the most, but he's still deep in his grieving. Whereas Toby, it's been 14 years. He's aged. And he's grown yeah. up, and he's doing... He he seems like a practiced mentor, which means he's either men, like being a father, or he's mentoring somebody else, like Miles Morales. He might be Morales. just a cool youth pastor, you know? That, that he just might, might be, cool be what's going pastor. on there, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's, yes, he's totally man. putting off the vibes. <laughs> I am, that is I'm, not how I dress, by the way, and I'm not cool. So let's just... So here's where I question that Morbius trailer, though. Because... <laughs> Michael Keaton Michael is also Keaton. in the Morbius trailer. Yeah. I could not... I could only call him Batman. Because Michael Keaton's in that Morbius trailer. So, which, by the way, that was the first time I was like, what? At the edge of my seat in this. And the movie hadn't even started yet. <laughs> so I don't know where Morbius takes place. But we no. also have to remember that multiple characters exist in these multiple universes. So that could be a different Michael Keaton. I did see an interview with him that wasn't a spoiler interview. It just said that he had no idea what was going on. He did not understand, and they had to explain to him. Oh yes, uh, I saw that. Uh, whatever, whatever is happening, whatever universe he's in, they had to explain it to him. So, 
which yeah. makes sense because Michael Keaton is he's working. He's not sitting at home on the podcast talking about Michael Keaton's working. No, no. <laughs> Although that's worth talking about. The guy superhero wise, there's some very interesting oh. things going on with this guy. Birdman is an amazing movie. I was going to ask you about that. I've never seen it. Yeah. But is it is it one take? Well, it's shot it's, to look like one take. Yeah. Okay. And, and it, you can it, it's hard to see the seams though. You can if you're watching and saying, "I wonder when they they cut away." There there are some moments you can see, but it's yeah. It's yeah, obviously no, I mean, not I, one take because there's times when you have two of him on the screen. So there's well, special yeah, effects going on. Uh, but yeah, regardless, it's I haven't seen Birdman, and then you have the Batman. Obviously, you have him being Vulture, and then you have him um, reprising potentially the Batman role in Flashpoint, or the whatever the Flash movie is going to be, which they're saying is going to open up the DC multiverse, which has already been technically opened up with the Crisis on Infinite Earth that they did on the CW, but at any rate. Yeah, he shows up on the Morbius trailer. What does that mean? Where, what universe is Morbius taking place in? I don't know, but more than likely, it's going to be the Venom universe. Uh, we'll, oh, it's we'll definitely the De- Venom universe because it's mentioned in the trailer. Yeah, like, yeah, but it could be something else. True. Or a different universe altogether. But the well, curious and- thing is, if anyone was brought into the MCU Prime by the spell because they know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Well, apparently Venom knows. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe not uh, Eddie Brock, but, but Venom knows something because he was pulled in, but yeah, pulled in very far away. He said in the uh, mid credit scene um, for Venom too, he, he's when Venom sees Tom Holland on the TV in that hotel room. He says, that guy. So I'm, I'm wondering if can Venom exist across multiple universes or does he just simply recognize there's a guy in a Spider-Man outfit? So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think, know. I think we'll see. Is in there a Venom movies. three? No. Is there a Venom three slated? Oh yeah. I think, I don't know if they're slated, but there's talk of it. Yeah. Okay. Cause I mean, there's it, talk of, Lots of see that's the thing, right? If a lot of times they put in these threads to movies that are going to have sequels, they're like, "Oh, maybe we can hang a movie off of this and make some more money yeah. off of it." Yep. You Which, know, a, I mean, obviously, in the tag scene here, where he leaves behind a little piece of venom, yeah, that doesn't get taken back. Yeah, how does that work? I don't know, but it. Apparently, Doctor Strange it's gonna is... Be, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what we get going forward. You know, what movies are announced going forward. Phase 4 is is shaping up to be very interesting. And, you know, we, we've been talking about it's passing the torch. It, it's almost like a rebirth of Spider-Man. You know? It, 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 well, it is. It because is. Because he's yeah, going... Yeah. He's going from someone who fought next to an Avenger, who was an Avenger, to now being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Actually, yeah, but that at the same a- time, he he still has that cachet. 
Like, he still fought with the Avengers, and people still remember Spider-Man. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, at the graveside, Happy's like, how did you know her? Uh, Yeah, Spider-Man. It's through Spider-Man. Yeah, me too. You know, like, it's... Or or maybe, maybe Peter asked him, but the idea is I knew May Parker through Spider-Man somehow. So all the stuff with Tony Stark, people remember what Spider-Man did. They just don't remember that Peter Parker ever existed. So here's a bittersweet thing that I realized during that scene. May never forgot Peter. Yes. Isn't that nice? Yeah. But still, she's dead. She the, the only way she could <laughs> she she could do that is to be dead at this point. So that means also Tony remembers Peter as Spider-Man. Um, right. maybe Steve Rogers. I mean, the the question on old Steve is still out there. I mean, it's, it's still confusing. No, we saw him at the end of Endgame. It's just well, actually, just the entire old Steve probably doesn't remember. Peter. Maybe, yeah, but, but I mean, just old but, Steve, in, Steve in general is just problematic. Therefore, you need a multiverse to figure that out. But okay, so it said everybody in the world. Nick Fury's off planet. Oh, is he in the world? Carol Rot- Carol Danvers is off planet. Hmm. Is she in the world? If the verbiage actually was everybody in the world, that's a possibility. But I do think it goes beyond that because we are talking about a multiverse. Yeah. Right. And and let's be honest. They can write their way out of whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If they're good enough. Do we need Carol Danvers to not remember him so we can get a funny joke? We can make that happen. But will a funny joke come out of Nick Fury remembering? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You ghosted me, kid. Yeah. Mm. So – what else we got? Oh, Lola. I want to talk about Lola, Ned's grandma, just for a minute. Okay. Go for it. So we have this big scene, fan service. We're bringing in, you know, two extra Peters into a Spider-Man universe. They're all Spider-Men. It's, a, it's wonderful. It's amazing. They're shooting webs at each other. And then there's Ned's grandma, who is totally stealing the scene. She is just being funny. She's like, hey, can you get that? Yes, it's amazing that you're sticking to my ceiling. Can you please get the cobweb from the corner? Okay, I'm going to bed. Oh, also, she flirts with Tobey Maguire's Peter, which I thought was hilarious. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just loved that character. And it it was a great bit of comic relief in this moment where I was uh, to, almost to the point of hyperventilating. I, I felt like she got me back on track. I love how she slip, slipped into a native tongue and mm-hmm. out of English when she wanted something. And then, <laughs> okay, good night. <laughs> well, her, her English may not be that great, but on the other hand... Oh, I I, yeah. I think it was perfect. Okay. And she just wanted <laughs> Ned to say stuff <laughs> instead of... I I have neighbors like this where their English is not that perfect. They have some phrases that they have a strong grasp on and others that they're still working on. So it may have just been easier for Ned to translate for her. That's that's what I think about her. And I really hope we get to see her again. I thought she was just really cute and funny. And I think we needed I, I think I think we need a grandma in this series to to, you know, 
be like a core central heart where Aunt May usually fills. And I think that'd be fun yeah. to bring in someone who's... I think who's, we're going to see... Yeah, who's just full of heart and very pragmatic. <laughs> I think we're going to see Ned again. Oh, I think we're going to see Ned and uh, MJ again. Yeah. I mean, Dune 2 is going to happen. So that's that, you know, MJ's taken care of. But um, <laughs> Ned, I think we're going to see him get tied up with Wong and oh, yes. Captain. Or not yeah, we Captain, haven't even talked um, about Ned's superpower. Like, he's yeah. magic. He is magic. I want. I really wanted to see the scene where Doctor Strange gets really envious that he just picked up on it right away. I really wanted. You to You saw see that. that, and and Doctor Strange downplayed it really. I mean, but I, you could tell he was real arrogant about he it. He was. Too. He was, but then he was like, "This is not the time," because there was other stuff going on. But I really wanted to see a scene where it really comes front, and he's not hiding or putting it aside for anything. So. Yeah, so and this does bring up some down. questions about Ned, though. Like, does Ned remember doing magic stuff? Oh, that's a good question. With Spider-Man? Or is all that wiped away? We we don't know. Mm. Um, where do the bad guys go when they return? We don't know. Uh, will people in other universes forget who Peter Parker is? Probably not. But we don't know. Uh, we don't know if Tobey Maguire can make it back, because if you recall... Doctor Strange is mentioned in Spider-Man 2. So he does exist in that universe. Here's the thing. And I just said it a few minutes ago. Whatever they need, they'll write. Yes. And they'll write it well. Because Feige comes in and says, no, do better. Mm -hmm. Write this better. So if if they need Ned to remember... Or vice versa, he'll do that. We'll find out. I just want to say that the one weakness of though there's two weaknesses in this movie, and they're not enough for me to. There are enough to make it so this is not a five star movie. I'm very stingy with five stars, you know. But one weakness is that all the spell casting and rules of the spells and stuff like that, it's a little. It's a little flimsy, you know, it's, it's not perfect. They, they had to make up some, some stuff to make things happen. And, and so there's not real strict rules for us to really latch on to, which is fine, but it's, it's just a little bit, a little, little knock, little, little knock. The other little knock is second post-credit scene, not a post-credit scene. Yeah. It's a trailer. Yeah. I was a little disappointed that it was a trailer. Then again, I mean, it's still new material that we haven't seen before, but I felt like it should, I too felt like it should have been a scene and not a trailer. So of course, then again, we're in a pandemic and that may have been a little difficult. to. What was the last? Okay. So we had the trailer at the end of, uh, first Avenger, which was literally a trailer, right? It was like, we're just going to take this right out of here and put it right in here. And all the graphics are going to be there and all that. And then, after that, we made a big, big deal about the about Agents of Shield having a scene that was essentially a trailer for the new movie. But short of that, when was the last time they did that? I don't know. It just, it, it, yeah. To me, it's just come on. You know, that's not what we want. 
Yeah. But maybe it is what people wanted because we did get to see a lot more than we would if it was just a teaser scene. Yeah. I if you if it was just, you know, him walking up to to Wanda and saying, "Oh yeah, I don't really care about the TV show you were just in." And then going off, that might have been interesting, but now we get to see like it, was that the what if Stephen Strange? Yeah, I mean, at least we got Mm -hmm. to see that little teaser. So, yeah, so I mean, I I get what you're saying, Ben. I hear that because it took me right out. Because one of the first things I told you two was, oh, it's so nice to see the return of the post credit equals trailer or something like that. It just it. (laughs) The funny thing is, because. It's all about commerce, right? Everything's right. about commerce. This just made it feel like it was more about commerce than about story. Yeah. Right. And was it the worst thing in the world? Absolutely not. Like I said, we got to see little things. We we saw more with that than we would have if it was a scene. And we wouldn't have seen what if evil Doctor Strange. We wouldn't have seen him if, if it had been a scene. Mm-hmm. Unless they chose that to be the scene or whatever but well i mean like the scene at the end of uh of black widow when valentessa contessa elaine (laughs) shows up to yelena and being like hey by the way go watch hawkeye you know we we couch it as that but that pushed the story forward and did a commerce thing yeah yeah this one what it says is hey by the way did you watch wandavision yet because you need to you might want to do that. And yeah. this is this is where this is the biggest uh to me anyway, the biggest crossover between Disney Plus shows mm-hmm. and and the movies is this WandaVision thing where I'm curious what kind of setup we're going to get from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness to explain like they did with the lizard in this movie where it's like, yeah, he uh he had a a, a smoke bomb that was gonna turn people into lizards, and then we used another smoke bomb to to make him not be a lizard, but now he's a lizard again, you know, whatever. <laughs> like they're gonna have to retell some of that for people who've only seen the movies. So there's a thing in Doctor Who where they talk about every story being someone's first Doctor Who story. Yes, and that's and also was- a Stan Lee thing. Way, way back in the day, Stan Lee said every comic book is somebody's first comic book. And so So, you need to give them information so they know what's going on in the first few pages. And what I love about comics is that they have the little asterisk, right? You want to read more? Go read blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Excelsior. So (laughs) I was thinking about that phrase, that statement in this movie, in uh, No Way Home, if this was someone's first Spider-Man movie, like they didn't see any Tobey Maguire movie, they didn't see any Andrew Garfield movie, they they for some reason missed the first two of those two movies, and they're like, I'm finally gonna go see No Way Home, this new Spider-Man movie. What <laughs> what type of experience would that person have? I don't know. I think it'd be very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But there's a lot of lore 
behind this movie. Yeah. yeah. It is so steeped in it. It would be when like I talk watching about fan service. Yeah, it would be like watching the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special without ever having seen another Doctor Who episode. Can I make a confession? Sure. I had a bad this is a bad nerd thing. I didn't realize who the caretaker was at the end of the Doctor Who 50th anniversary. I, I had understand. not seen any Tom Baker doctors, Doctor Who stories. Now I know who is just fine, but I had not seen. And I was like, oh, that guy's important. So I guess maybe that'll work. You know, it's funny. I was watching that episode with my mother and she recognized Tom Baker because her brothers forced her to watch Doctor Who and she didn't like it. But she didn't realize what I was watching until the very beginning of that episode because that had the original opening to Doctor Who, and then she recognized Tom Baker. And she's not a sci-fi fan at all. And I thought that was just a really cool moment between me and my mom. So, I mean, I guess if you're willing to be like, yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen a Spider-Man movie, and I'm going to go watch this one, you won't be super disappointed, but I can't help but wonder if you'll go, oh, yeah, I'm not watching anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot in there. Well, and that's what's happened with the MCU. Now, fortunately, though, if you look at the last couple movies that we've gotten, you haven't needed the background. Shang-Chi is very new user-friendly. And yes. Eternals is very new user-friendly. Mm -hmm. And even Black Widow. You yeah. can sit down and understand what's going on. Now, there is subtext and nuance behind that movie. Um, and by the way, that movie, in my opinion, is much better as I'm watching Hawkeye. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know when we're going to get to, you know, get back to Hawkeye with the with the holiday season, when when we're going to come back to things, but it'll be after, after the holiday season um, for us to come back, finish up What If, Hawkeye. Netflix is a little more important now, <laughs> slightly. You so know we'll what? see it's, about that. But it's it's hard to do this podcast and have stuff podcast related happen and have holiday season stuff because even I on the weekends have been very very busy because well, of, and that's been the primary yeah. reason we haven't gotten to the Hawkeye stuff. Yeah, but well, you know we're we're we're, we're working on it. You know we'll we'll get there. Yeah. Get there. Also, what if <laughs> there, we still have two episodes of that to talk about? And yeah. I don't want to talk about the the last. I don't want to talk about the finale without you two. Um, yeah, I can. I can. I. I think I'll probably end up doing the penultimate episode as a solo thing, but I. I do not want to do the finale without without you guys. So well, thanks. Thank you. Um, I, it's just important, you know, be able to talk about the wrap up. But anyway, yeah, I think. Um, in fact, when it became apparent that Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow intertwined, I went back and watched Black Widow, and it's very well made. Very well made. Um, and I even said, and I, I don't know if I said it on the show or not, but you have I not. think it's maybe w one of the best directed Ep uh, movies that the MCU has, mm -hmm. if not the best directed movie, not the best movie, 
Not the best visuals, not the best writing, not the best story, but the director of Black Widow hones the craft of directing in a way that uh, the Russos don't. And I am for it. I put my foot in the sand. Okay. Let's talk about the directing of this movie now. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Get back to this. Because here's, here's the other thing. My moments of excitement came at the end. So when the other characters, you know, when Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire step in and we're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. To me, it was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's what I was saying. When I see Matt Murdock, oh, that's cool. You know, and I it's a cool moment, especially, you know, it's just not quite a blink and you miss it thing, but it's a cool moment. Hashtag it's all connected Mm -hmm. where I really got excited. And when I started getting I wasn't leaning forward in my seat. But um, where I would have was the final battle with some of those things they were doing as the Spider-Men are working together or not working <laughs> together. But there is some really cool shots that are poster moments, you know, or, or comic cover moments where the three of them are doing one thing or another all at the screen at the same time. And I will, you know, I, I've I've gone on record complaining about people reading too much into things. Um, but that trailer erasure, the eraser, erasure <laughs> yeah. that happened, it happened. Yeah. You know, that, that yeah. was, yeah. they, they erased two Spider-Men out of the screen, uh, for that trailer shot. Yeah. And, and with that kid, when that showed up, I, I, I laughed. Yeah, I, me that too. Happened, I was like, else okay. Laughed, Cause I, I at this point, at that point, I'm thinking, well, maybe we'll still get to that shot and it's just going to be one, <laughs> but it wasn't. No. So I'm I'm eating a little crow there, but you know I I I can admit when I'm wrong, and yeah. and I'm not wrong about like how I was feeling about things, but I was definitely wrong about what made me feel that. <laughs> so I I liked how they recreated you know the the one gif that's been floating around the internet for so long is the um the three Spider Men in a circle pointing at each other. <laughs> I mean they recreated that. And I think that's the sense of humor that really makes these John Watts Spider-Man movies, Homecoming, Far From Home, and now No Way Home, really start to shine. But they couldn't recreate it directly because that had already been done in Into the Spider-Verse. So it was a little more subtle. And, you know, the moments where it's like, Peter, uh, Peter Parker. (laughs) And like, me, him, what? It's a fun moment. So many fun things. In this I movie. loved all of those scenes where it was the three of them talking together and comparing and contrasting their lives. But you could tell at the core, there's they still hold the same values and they're they're still essentially the same person, just yeah. living three different yeah. lives. You have that heart that that Toby McGuire has and compassion and emotion. Yeah, that he has, and then you have Andrew Garfield with a little bit of a swagger and you know but then also his whole thing where he just this is so interesting to me because they spend so much time where he's first of all there's the self-esteem issues that he's dealing with mm-hmm. i'm not special you know that kind of thing and, and toby Maguire's like, no you're you're amazing you're yeah. amazing which yeah. nice little clever you know play yeah. on that yeah. i'm <laughs> yeah. was, was so glad he didn't go beyond that say you're amazing you're 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 spectacular you know and, and do all the <laughs> adjectives that they did for spider-man but um but then he – so he has that that little bit of, of swagger, but then he's also like, I love you guys. Like he's just wanting connection. 
that's what's so interesting to me is watching him as, you know, he, he, brothers, you know, yeah. I haven't had this kind of connection uh, since I lost my best friend. But that was another funny moment is they're they're comparing notes about their best friends, you know. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, my best friend tried to kill me because he became oh. a super villain. And you then know? Ned's and like, reaction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they look over it. They look over at Tobey Maguire. He's just kind of, yeah. <laughs> and, like, um. Oh, didn't Ned in one storyline become the the goblin? I don't know. I feel like I've, I've heard read that, that somewhere. I don't know, but yeah. that's definitely set up for that because that's what happens with uh, uh, with uh, Harry Osborne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want that to happen. I like Ned. I want him to become um, a wizard because you know he has that genetic <laughs> magic thing. And Ned, you're a wizard. <laughs> I love that. And then I want to see I want to see Doctor Dr. Strange grumpy because Ned just has natural talent. He had to work hard to become a wizard. <laughs> it yeah. came pretty easy to to Stephen Strange too, though. So are you saying that Ned would be a pure blood? Hmm. Good question. So one of the things I thought was really interesting is they never said Spidey sense. They said the tingle. Mm-hmm. And all three of them said the tingle. They they all agreed that that's what they're going to call it. So trust the tingle. <laughs> trust the tingle, right? Yeah. Which again is is akin to Avengers. Yeah. Not going to say it for three movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when it happens, when when he finally says it and he grabs Molnir and it's you know amazing, the crowd explodes. You see that every time you go to the movies and you see the new the new uh, 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 Marvel movie and they've got that Marvel trailer in front of it. So, you know, someday we're going to get it called the Spider Sense, and it's going to be pitch perfect and great. Speaking of the spider sense, did you notice that when he was um, out of his body, when Doctor Strange pushed him out, did an astral proje- projection yeah, sort of thing? That was so much fun. I loved that moment, <laughs> but um, they included the spider sense wiggles in his head. It's a very subtle textural thing. Uh, there, It's not colorized at all. It's just... You know, you see that there's these wavy lines that are affecting the background, and it's radiating. I from did his head. see that. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. That was cool, and I liked how he was able to sort of move around in that space, mm-hmm. and then get back into his body. And he's like, "No, I'm good here. Thanks." Yeah, and I think the reason why, uh, even when he was out of his body, why he could still move, manipulate his arms, is because of his spider sense. I mean, despite being kicked out of his body, he was still connected to his body through his spider sense and his reflexes. I loved that so much. So let's see. What else are we missing here? I mean, the department so much, of damage so control. Much yeah, damage control. So we were going to get a TV show about damage control. And, and it was very far along in the process, I thought. Um and now we get to see them on screen. That's kind of cool. But that one guy, I want—I seriously wanted to go through the screen and give him a good talking to because he threatened to take Peter away from Aunt May. Which I was thinking, oh, come on. He's like nearly 18. 
he, there's no, I, I mean, by the time they it's, go through legal courts, it's not going to happen. And he's, he's not an immediate danger like other kids might be in that in some situations. But yeah, I, I really wanted to give that guy a good talking to, cause he was clearly trying to manipulate uh, Aunt May and she held her ground and she would not give him what he wanted. Unlike Ned. <laughs> Both of them walking him. in. Don't talk to anybody until you talk to a lawyer. Yeah. Did MJ and and Aunt May meet? Yes, they did. And in, in that scene where uh, Peter brings MJ back to the apartment yep. in the beginning, and MJ walks in, and oh, that's right, he's half naked because he's taking off the. That's outfit. right. That's right. Yeah, that and was all done take- as one shot too. Yeah, yeah, I loved it because um, in the middle of this, oh my gosh, have safe sex. Oh hi, you must be uh, MJ. I mean, it was like this. This click, click, click of what was happening. <laughs> and Peter wanted to talk about Happy's relationship with May. And then he's like, oh, all, also, by the way, we're on TV. So, <laughs> and he's in his underwear. I, lo- I just, I loved everything about that scene. It was, it was so well done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that whole beginning is just, so, is really well done too. And they create that new normal. You know, where it's, mm-hmm. this is the world now, and this is his his world now. He has to deal with this now, and it's... Are you saying it's a whole new world? Well, it is. Something like it, anyway. I'm not singing this week, I'm sorry. I, I appreciate Happy every single time he's on screen. I'm like, yay, John Favreau. Thank you for being John Favreau. And, and you know, because he doesn't have to be happy anymore. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to be. It's Happy Hogan, but what's his real name? Doesn't matter. He doesn't have to be that guy. He's he's behind the Mandalorian, right? He can go off and do whatever he wants, and he wants to be Happy Hogan on uh, in the Mar- in M- in the MCU. So, and I like how he continued the legacy from you know from Tony Stark and and this giving it to to Peter Parker. Um I do think he needs a haircut. So, that's just me. I just hope that ha- happy is happy as Uncle Happy to uh Tony's daughter. I oh, What's her name? I love you 3000. I think he absolutely yeah. I'm honestly surprised she's not like wandering around with him. At all times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he does make, you know, an effort to go see her every once in a while because, you know, Tony's gone and she's adorable. And yeah, I got to buy all the cheeseburgers. Yeah. Take her to the zoo, buy her some cotton candy mm-hmm. or a balloon with with Mickey ears. So what else in this movie cuz i'm i'm pretty much spent as far as remembering it i haven't seen yeah i mean here's here's the thing we'll we'll probably be talking more about this movie as you know especially if we talk about the other spider-man movies and wh- however we do that if we do like one episode for toby one episode for andrew um or if we try and do an episode for each of them i don't know but we'll probably end up talking more about this movie but well, I just th- want, there's I, too much there one, is too much one more thing oh yeah go ahead i mean but we can't cover everything because we just, there's just too much. There's so much. We can't, there's so many characters. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I have I still have notes. I and I've crossed out some that I don't want to do because it's not necessary. Like the sanctum, the sanctorium sanctums, just down like a block over from McGuire's Peaches Shop. But I, I know we've discussed that before on the podcast, so not a big deal. However, at the end, after everyone forgets who that Peter Parker is, Spider Man. Peter goes into the donut shop and he has a a very awkward conversation with MJ where she doesn't remember him. However, she's still wearing the black Dahlia shard necklace. Okay. So which she shouldn't even have in the first place. Right. Because we're sure that's what that was. Yeah. Okay. I know what that's what that was. No, I, because Melissa saw that and went, because she hadn't seen the movie recently. I did, and I didn't catch it. She's like, is that that necklace? So, yeah. Yes. She had it at the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. But of course, I don't she think got she it had it at the end of the other movie. Right. I remember she getting I remember, because I just watched that one, of my, of my ability to do rewatches, that was the only one I got to do. So, Far From Home was it. Um, okay. Uh, and I remember- So, she didn't- she didn't have the have that necklace at the at the end of the previous movie. No, yeah, she did, okay. but she didn't have it on in the final see- scene. Oh, where they're uh, swinging so it's a little bit of York. a retcon, but they they needed. I mean, visually, that is something they needed. Like yeah. she still had a wound from the battle, mm-hmm. and she had the necklace, but does she remember where she got it from? If she does, it's just related to Spider Man somehow. She may remember that she saw Spider-Man. She may remember that she helped Spider-Man. She just may not remember his face. That's what I'm hoping. That's where they're a little fuzzy. That's the word I was looking for. It's fuzzy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're going to um, retcon it in such a way. or Not even retcon it. The next time we watch that movie... Especially off like a home video streaming release or whatever, she'll have the necklace on. Mm-hmm. They will have added it digitally. Nah, I don't think they'll mess with it. I don't think they care. Though, I also want to talk about that final fight sequence between Tom Holland and the Green Goblin. Because that scene, I almost, I, I was for a moment tempted to get up and walk out of the theater. Was it that bad? It was the whole "I'm going to kill you" thing. Oh. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, he is not. He is not going to try to kill Green Goblin." Um, and I was like, "I, I was like waiting for either uh, Toby or Andrew to swoop in because they don't want Tom going down that dark road. They see him going that do- down that dark road, and they're like, no, don't go down that way.' And then, of course, you know, uh, uh, Toby comes in and stops him and." Thank goodness that Andrew got the uh, antidote. And in a way, yeah, they Tom was able to kill the Green Goblin and save Norman Osborn at the same time. But yeah. but before yeah. to- Toby swooped in, it was Tom was going to kill the person, the the physical form, not just the-, the the dual personality that had yeah. taken him. Yeah. So that really bothered me, but I'm glad it ended the way it did. What they what they really did though was they set up first of all Toby as someone who can be a mentor in this mm-hmm. situation, and Andrew as someone who 
he's been there in that situation. He yeah. went that dark road. And I I like it because it's the idea of, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Uh, kind of writ large here. And especially when you consider Green Goblin is not himself. When he's Green Goblin, he's someone else. And he is someone that needs to be nurtured and cared for or destroyed. Like there's 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 no two ways about it. It's it's like why why won't Batman kill Joker? You know, it's the same kind of thing here where you either have to destroy and kill Green Goblin so he can't ever hurt anyone again, or you have to find a way to repair him mm-hmm. and fix his broken psyche. And he wants to fix his broken psyche. And that's in the other movies. We've seen it before. Um but he doesn't he doesn't get the opportunity because he's he's gonna kill Spider-Man, you know. And so this is a chance for Toby to step in to save him it's a chance for um us to see you know a a solution to the problem that's not let's just kill what's in our way but let's try and understand what's in our way Mm -hmm. and it's it's a really nice moment i was shocked i thought toby mcguire might die me too earlier yeah. At, at some point earlier, I was like, I, I wonder if he'll die in this, you know, this whole the whole setup here. And then he gets stabbed and you're like, what? What? And then and then he just totally survives and, or and we he, think. he's gonna be fine. We hope. Yeah, they, they don't show him dying. He limps off yeah, screen, I, he'll be fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then fades away into not he doesn't get dusted, but he gets you know, I, I really Lighted. hope that, that this is not the last Spider-Man crossover. I really hope that we can see them again somehow. Because like I said, there's another Doctor Strange in Toby's universe. Um, there's That means there may be also one in Andrew's universe. I think we might see Andrew Garfield show up in some of these movies, okay. maybe. but in, in like Morbius, you know, or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, um, when they save Electro, Max, Max says to Garfield, um, "I thought you were you were going to be black," <laughs> and I and I thought, well, may I mean, Toby's been mentoring or parenting somebody, so I'm really hoping that we will learn that he's been mentoring Miles Morales. Again, that goes back to what my hope yeah. was years and ago, and that's because but- of you, Ben. Yeah, the people yeah. were listening to our podcast, and they they heard me say that. And they, <laughs> oh, we should have done that years ago, but we didn't. But now we now we can rectify that. We can, yeah, yeah, or not, or it just makes sense for them to just do the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, it made sense for me to say the thing because it makes sense for them to do the thing. So. Well, I mean, it made sense back then. Does it make sense now? I don't know. Also. Um... There's Spider-Girl, who is MJ and and Peter's daughter, who inherited the powers. So, I mean, that would also be an opening for maybe Spider-Girl to come in. I don't know that I want to see Tom Holland and Zendaya get married and live happily ever after. I like the idea of this keeping them separated, keeping their love, you know. I'm I'm not talking about that MJ. I'm talking about Kirsten Dunst MJ. Oh. 
Yeah, Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst's characters, they have a daughter because, you know, they have the opportunity. There was a comic book kind of, I don't know what you would call it, but a a multiverse kind of thing where in another Marvel future, um, I can't remember what they called it. There was a couple different titles that they had, and and one of them was Spider-Girl, and it was Peter Parker's daughter. And MJ's daughter, and she was learning how to be, you know, Spider Girl. And Peter Parker would get out his costume and didn't fit because he's a little paunchy, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and it's definitely that legacy. And I like legacy stuff like that. I, I don't think we're going to see Sony go full fledged, let's make another Spider Man movie that's not MCU. Yeah, I, I don't think, think that's going to happen until the relationship with Disney breaks up, but they're making so much money. That's the other thing we didn't talk about is our theater experiences here because oh, yeah. this was a movie that was selling out. This was a movie that had we haven't had had the likes of it since pandemic. And even the other Marvel movies that have come out, you know, Black Widow and Eternals and Shang-Chi, the theaters, you know, had people in them. But this was one that you had to get your tickets ahead of time. Or you weren't going to get tickets. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Monday when tickets went on sale. I didn't get them in the morning. I got them in the evening. And my preferred showtime, 7 o'clock in the evening, sold out. So 3 o'clock in the afternoon it was. It was actually kind of nice. Now, granted, the theater didn't feel sold out because there were empty seats in the theater. But I tried to get in to see if I could get Evan a ticket. And I couldn't because it had sold out. You know, this was the day before. Um, so yeah, it, this is. Uh, I don't. I haven't looked at box office for this. Maybe I should, as we're talking about your experiences. But this is a movie that had sold out in theaters, and yeah, uh, just we haven't seen this before since pandemic. I do know on preview day on Thursday they made fifty million dollars. Which is, I saw something where it was like opening weekend has matched like Shang Chi and Eternals, both like matched their their entire run or something like that. But let me. Okay, but I know definitely on Thursday they made fifty million dollars, and it was like the third biggest, second biggest uh, box pre- office opening ever. Well, not not that, but just the the third biggest preview day ever. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, so this is the first release of the pandemic era to cross 300 million in North America. Yeah. As of Monday, it had earned over 600 million that's worldwide. Impressive. I think that's that's worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. So my theater too also had half capacity, both showings. They were still considered sold out by the time I got there. The first show, actually, I had a very interesting person sit next to me in in my first screening, a very young man. Uh, I brought my knitting with me because I'm working on a knitting project, and he asked me about my knitting, and I showed him how to read the label to get the right needles with the yarn, and uh, he was very nice, and he, he came with his father. So he heard me do all the squealing and the laughing and the crying, and my second uh, experience. I on Saturday I went in and um, I met a very nice young lady who her name was Rutu, 
and I promised her I would give her a shout out. So hello, Rutu, and I hope to see you again soon. And yeah, and then after that, I did a lot of screaming and laughing and and crying. <laughs> I mean, I talked about my theater experience a little bit earlier, but basically it was it, we didn't have a huge rush on the theater. Um, I, I was able to walk up. Now, I didn't see it till Sunday, so that's part of it, I'm sure. But I was able to mm-hmm. walk up, you know, 20 minutes before showtime, grab tickets, go sit down. Just like any other normal day. But mm-hmm. for our town, having, you know, it was in three theaters of the eight is a big deal. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and you know, you drive past the theater and the parking lot's full. So, you know, we may not have sold out shows, but we had a good, good-sized business. Yeah. Half of the – my cinema is 12 or 14 screens, and half of those were Spider-Man. I mean, part of that is because there's not much else against it, right? And yeah. and you're going into the week before Christmas or the yeah. two, you know, the 10 days before Christmas or whatever. So you kind of have a good they they've situated it very well against other films. Um Christmas Day is going to have a lot of uh, Oscar bait, so you won't necessarily go up against that. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out in the future. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the Matrix. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, I know there's a couple other theater uh, shows I want to see, but I'll have to look at a list because I've forgotten them already. But, but yes, this is Oscar season for um, releases, so. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. I was just looking at that same article. Basically, the for the weekend, Spider-Man was 90% of the theater business. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't 90% surprised. of the theaters, but of all of the box office, Spider-Man dominated 90%. Wow. 90%. And Nightmare Alley, you know, was a new movie which didn't do well at all, you know, because it came out against Spider-Man. And and so it'll be interesting to see where this goes when, yeah, Matrix comes out. And Oh, Matrix isn't we'll, going we'll to do as, as well as Spider-Man. I mean, mm-hmm. Spider-Man is so in the zeitgeist right now and the MCU is such in the zeitgeist right now that it... Any studio who puts anything up against an MCU property is just been like, look, we have to release it this weekend because, you know, contracts or whatever. But I cannot, we're not going to make any money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the other interesting thing. Uh, we've talked about my local theaters. Uh, one of my local theaters had Spider-Man. By the way, one of them did do Eternals, but it was like two weeks ago or something like that. They did Spider-Man this weekend and the other one, these are the, the, the small town theaters. Now that I'm talking about the other one did two weeks of Clifford. And so Spider-Man's opening weekend was week two of Clifford this week. They are doing sing two. And I'm not sure what the other theater is doing, but I'm, I'm assuming they're doing more than one week of Spider-Man, but they are 
uh, the theater that did Clifford and Sing 2 are going to be doing in January, Spider-Man. They've already put that out there. So I do find it interesting uh, that they are still doing the big movie, but not on the opening weekend. And I'm not sure if that has to do with contracts or what. Are they still charging the full Sometimes when they do price? a major movie, they are required to do two or even three weeks. And so they don't because they they don't get repeat business in that way, the way a multiplex does. Are you? So they just don't. Are they charging full price? These two theaters are both $5 per ticket, cash only. Okay. So they're mom and pop theaters. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are, definitely. So they, yeah. they downloaded a um, torrent. <laughs> no, no. It's a whole thing. You got to listen to my Bill and Ted episode because I kind of explain one of the things that happens in that episode is I didn't get to see it the first night I intended to go. And the reason they explain like how their whole business was, uh, how it worked because I had a conversation with them about it. And yeah, yeah, you should listen to that episode because that was the first time I went to the Bremen theater and uh, it's a nice little small town theater. I really liked it. I haven't gone back yet. Um, but then there's my local theater that's, that's walking distance. That is, is the other one. And yeah, but they, they, for Bill and Ted, they downloaded a key from the, the studio, but the studio sent them the wrong key. It was dated wrong. So mm. they couldn't actually download the, the movie to play from their digital projector. Yeah, so uh, um, movie distribution business is a very, very interesting business, and every single movie has a different contract on how the um, how the uh, the profits are going to be distributed. Some are part of the profits from opening weekend goes towards the theater. Others are we know this is going to be big for the theater, so or or big business for us, the distribution company. So we're going to take everything, and then in the following. In, in the opening weekend and then in the following weeks that the theater will get a part of the profits um, more exponentially um, or over a, a gradual percentage over the weeks. Which is so why they very... want you to buy popcorn. It has nothing to do yes. with you bringing outside food in. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second time I went to go see the movie, I sat in the theater, the, the trailers were rolling and I was like, Oh my gosh, I did not drink any water with lunch. I need to go get water. And I ended up paying $6 for a liter bottle. And I did not get the half liter <laughs> because that was 20 cents less. And I was like, oh, what's the point? But well, they are required, yeah. though, to give you a cup if you ask for it. And so yeah, I, got, I, I, got seven, <laughs> I got seven tiny cups because I went and asked them for water. <laughs> and, and I was like, is there a way you can give me some water? My daughter was really thirsty. She had been at work all day and mm -hmm. she hadn't had a chance to drink much. And so they gave me seven, they weren't quite Dixie cup size. They were a little bit bigger than that. Mm -hmm. uh, no lids. Um, but I was able to get some cups for water. So, Well, I, I earlier in the week was exposed to a really nasty stomach virus and I hadn't, I'm sure I was exposed. I'm sh I'm almost certain I was um, a not what do you call those people who are carrying the virus but not presenting any symptoms. A typhoid Mary. 
<laughs> yeah, I was basically a typhoid Mary for a few days. So Although I, she knew she had her disease, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, but I knew I had the d- disease. I didn't want to spread it to anyone. I was sitting more than six feet away from other people, and I was sitting in the theater wearing a mask because I didn't want to – I mean, it, it's only a 24-hour bug, but it was still nasty. And, you know, I don't want anyone else to get sick because of me. So I sat far away, and I wore my mask, and when I was thirsty, I took the cap off the bottle, and I drank from it, and then I put the mask back on and put the cap back on the bottle. So, yeah, I was I was being very cautious for good reason. <laughs> we need to wrap this up. So yes. what are your final words about Spider-Man No Way Home? <sighs> I'm so looking forward to streaming because I want to do the th- – the old film school analysis thing and pause it and watch and look at the scenes and find out what else is in it and see who else is peeking through those cracks in the multiverses. I'm looking forward to that. Also, I want to thank our Patreon patrons, Jeffrey, Tazzle, Blessed Cheesemaker, 084, Julie, and Andrew. Thank you all so very much. We cannot do this without you. Or we could, but you, you make doing this podcast a lot easier on us. I, mm, it's so good. It's such a good movie. And we get the, we get the, you know, Charlie Cox as, as Matt Murdoch. Um, he's a really good lawyer. Loved it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just excited that we're getting, that that promise of it's all connected seems to be something that is that is being um, um, honored and taken taken to heart. So, and I think I uh, may have a new title for our podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna we, we got to workshop it a little bit. But you know, welcome to level seven. It's it's very. Uh, Agents of Shield centric when you when you consider the the source of the the name of our podcast and so I think I have a new title for it and that is this <clears throat> Welcome to the Spiritual Oasis. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level Seven. You've heard from us. Now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us voicemail by calling one seven seven five five level 7 That's one seven seven five 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 three eight three five seven, Or send us an email to studioavery at gmail.com. You can also go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there. Or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7. The 7 is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven, the seven is spelled out, and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and Godspeed. Eh, I, spiritual oasis and... You don't think you don't think it'd be a good, ben, good podcast ben, name? No, you can no. take you can take the guy out of the chair, but you cannot take the chair out of the guy. That is true. <laughs> that mm. is very very true. I love that they that they called back to the guy in the chair. Loved it because I think that well, of course they're going to call back to that. That's Ned's thing. That is Ned's mm-hmm. thing. Yes. Yeah.
All right. Okay. I don't think we do. Well, guys. What do you want to do for a post-credit? Anything? I think we just did okay, it. Okay, there you go. We're done. <laughs> this is a long enough this episode. This is a long episode. I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it'll probably be after Christmas before I, I talk with you guys again. So uh, until then, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. And same to our listeners. Listeners, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever. Happy holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy... Is Hanukkah coming up or are we in Hanukkah? I, I, I'm totally... I'll... Yeah. Just, yeah. Just have a happy, happy post, one. Happy post-Hanukkah. <laughs> I don't have my calendar. Have, have a happy yet, one. Be good to each other. Happy be December. nice. Be kind. Happy Show love. Break. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And just remember, uh, this this should have been the quote, but you're amazing. You're amazing. Just remember that. You're amazing. You're amazing. I love you guys. <laughs>